one of the uh, <laughs> when I when I first got saved, one of the uh, scriptures I guess that really I remember changing the way I looked at things in the Word and inside. In Isaiah fifty nine nineteen, it says. Um, that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God raises up a standard against it. When the enemy comes in like a flood, comma, the Lord raises up a standard against it. That word standard means a flag of victory. It's a flag of victory. But here's the revelation that I got that changed things for me. Is the, the Bible, see, when, when the Bible was written, or the, uh, when, when the prophet Isaiah wrote those things down, he didn't use punctuation in English. So when you look at that scripture, when the enemy comes in like a flood, comma, the Lord raises up a standard against it, there was no comma there. So this is the way I hear it. When the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, the Lord raises up a standard. Like a flood. It's not, see, the enemy ain't got nothing. All he's got is smoking mirrors, smoking lights. Takes you back to George Strait movies, do it? All the smoke and the lights, dancing chickens. That's all he's got. Smoking lights, smoking mirrors. It's like a flood, the Spirit comes in. And that's what we're feeling in here today. That's what we're feeling. And I hope that you are, you're watching this at home. I pray, Holy Spirit, come. Come into that place where you're at. If you're listening in the car, hang on to the wheels, keep looking straight. The Holy Spirit, come. Come in, flood this place flood us.
from Father God, I thank you and praise you today. I thank you for this time of just these moments of just soaking in who you are. These moments of just soaking in what your spirit is about. Preparing our hearts to hear your word today. I thank you, God, for lifting anxieties, for lifting hurt, for lifting rejection, for lifting the feeling of not being heard. Father, I thank you for lifting those things away because you are a good God. You are a good God. And Jesus is King. And Holy Spirit is here. Thank you so much for this moment. Praise you. Praise you. Amen. Amen. Well, before you sit down, turn around and tell somebody Jesus is king. All right. I'm not a dancing chicken. <laughs> turning, turning the fire up, but not, I'm not a dancing chicken. Well, how y'all doing this morning? Man, it feels like a coon's age since I've been up here. Long time, huh? Is it just a long time for me or y'all been satisfied? <laughs> well, it's good to see you guys this morning. Man, it's just a, such a cool spirit in the room right now. Such a cool place to be. Well, if if you don't know me, I'm Darren Gleghorn. I'm the lead pastor here at Cowboy Church. And uh, so good to be in the house with you this morning. So good to have you all come out. Um, yeah, it's it's good. I, I don't even know what to say, man. I'm just I'm just happy to be here. Um what I want to talk to you about today has been kind of uh it's been a testing, testing week. Um, I thought I was going to talk to you about the uh, things that hinder revival in our lives. So I guess that script or that uh, message is for another time. Because as I was getting into that, something else came and I had to, I had to put this together. I've been, I've been meditating. I've been um, um, going over in my mind those things for the last two or three weeks, those things that hinder revival in our lives. And so I had my mind set on those things. So when God comes in and starts changing the channel on me, it uh, kind of threw me into a whirlwind, so to speak. And so as I begin to put this together, uh, Friday morning, Friday morning, I mean, I'd spent Wednesday and Thursday trying to get all this stuff together. And, and then Friday morning, um, I called Lynette and I said, man, I don't know what's going on. I just feel like crap. <laughs> I mean, I, I was kind of mad about it, kind of, you know, just didn't know what to do. And um, the, um, she, she said, go play golf. <laughs> I had a golf invitation and I said, I can't, you know, I've got a job to do and all this kind of stuff. And she said... I encourage you, go get away. Just, that's not the way I work. 
I work by putting pressure on myself, sitting at my desk wanting to do what I want to do. She just kind of laughed at me, you know, and she prayed for me. Let me go. She said, just do whatever you want to do. So I, I stayed where I was at. I didn't go play golf. I didn't go for a drive. I didn't go for a walk. And I just pressed into what, what I thought I was going to do. 1.30 in the afternoon, I'm sitting there and my computer crashes. <laughs> Erased all the notes, everything that I had. Well, I guess I got to trust you, God. <laughs> I still didn't go play golf. <laughs> but this is what I got, so I'm going to give it to you. Heard somebody say one time, boy, that was a good message. And preacher said, well, it was, it was, it was all Jesus. Well, it wasn't that good. <laughs> uh, so I'm hoping that it's, it's, uh, it's good. Today. So if you have your Bibles with you, would you go to Acts chapter 3? Oh, Acts chapter 3. So um, 2020, wow. Wow, did, did, have you expected any less out of 2020 than what we got this week? It's just, it's just 20, 2020 is giving us the big finger. I mean, it's, it's just, it's just that way, you know? And, uh, I, I, th- I think about what, what I hear and, and even what I think at times is I cannot wait till we get out of this year. I can't wait till 2021. But you know what? Things are not going to change on 2021, but things are going to roll and we can just keep praying, keep standing keep raising up a standard against what is coming against us, right? So 2020 has really caused us to rethink some things. It's really caused us to, um, um, for Christianity, it causes us to, to really press in to the Bible, right? Because if you were raised in the church like I was, um, some of the things that are going on we would think, man, we're in the end times. The Antichrist is coming. The rapture's coming. End times are happening, right? Has anybody thought that yet? I'm surprised at the number of hands that just went up. Because <laughs> it's, I mean, we've never seen things like this before. And we think the chaos that's going on around us, the chaos that's going on around us, it's got to be, it's got to be the end times. I mean, this is some revelation stuff right here. This is some, some last chapters of Daniel stuff that's going on right here. But you know what? I don't know. Are we in the end times? I don't know. I don't know. Y'all was looking for answers there, wasn't you? <laughs> Are we in the end times? I, I don't know. I think Jesus could come back at any moment. I think that that um, he could just wrap all this up in, in, in a moment and just be out of here, you know? But what I come back to is I think the Apostle Paul 
thought the same thing. I mean, when, when, when the world moved into the dark ages, they probably thought the same thing. You know, the disciples, even walking with Jesus, thought the same thing. So is this the end times? I don't know. But all I know is Jesus is king. And I saw somebody post on um, Facebook the other day. That's, that's the only thing that I use social media-wise. My uh, daughter comes in and says, do you TikTok? <laughs> Sometimes I feel my heart TikToking. <laughs> but I don't, I don't TikTok. I don't, I don't Instagram much. I don't, um, what's the other one? What's the other goofy one? Snapchat. Do you Snapchat? I'm, I don't know. I got one, but I don't know how to use it. That's why I don't make all the funny faces and <laughs> But I, anyways I'm <laughs> gotta move forward. I wasn't thinking about that. I heard somebody I saw somebody post on, on Facebook a really serious question is how how can God allow me to have kids during the time of chaos that we're in? And you know what? I have, I have an answer to that. It's because God, it's because God has appointed each and every one of us in this time. And when you have kids, your kids are going to be able to adapt based upon the grace of God that's been given to them to live through these times, to live through the chaos. God has given us this grace. He's giving you, he's given you a grace to live through these times. To look at these times and begin to push into them to change atmospheres, to change things in your personal life in order to change the world that we live in. We're not a slave to the days. We rule the days because Jesus has given us authority. The Holy Spirit has given us authority we rule the days. Amen. Amen. We're in this world. We're not of this world. We're sojourning through this thing. It's just a journey through. And while we're here, we make a statement. While we're here, we make footprints. And we make footprints that history can't erase. And I believe that revival has a lot to do with it. And so we've been talking a lot about revival over the last couple of months. In the days that are leading up to Acts chapter 3, where I want to go today, in the days that are leading up to that, um, Jesus died on the cross. He came back and walked with his disciples for 40 days. And then he told them to go into Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. Go and wait for the Holy Spirit. And it was on the day of Pentecost, a week later, that they were in Jerusalem in an upper room, and that upper room wasn't some house in, in the middle of Jerusalem. It was at the temple in Jerusalem. They were in the temple in the upper room, what I believe is called Sol uh, Solomon's portico, or his his um, porch. And that's where Jesus always went to preach in the temple. And so the disciples all went to that 
place in the temple when the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit came and was poured out in Acts chapter 2 and things started happening. A revival began to break out. Amen? Amen. And when that happened, Peter, the apostle Peter, got his preach on. The apostle Peter started preaching. I mean, everybody else was there. The 120 people that were seeking, uh, that, that were the, the followers of Christ that were seeking, could have preached themselves. But Peter comes up and preaches. And he lets it all out. He lets it all out. And at the end of his message, there were 3,000 people that gave their lives to Jesus right there. 3,000, what a 120 plus 3,000. I mean, what, what do you think it'd look like if next week we had 3,000 people show up here? It'd be a little crowded. But 3,000 people added, were, uh, came to Jesus in one day. And, and it says, it goes on and it says that during the days that followed that, that the Lord added more to the church. See, the church was birthed at that point. Not a church, but the church. The church is people, not a building. And so it said more were added daily. More were added daily. But where I want to go with this is Peter and John one day are heading to the temple to preach. And as they're going to the temple, they come through a gate called the beautiful gate. And as they come through the beautiful gate, there was a man laying there that was lame from birth. And as he's laying there, everybody knew him. Everybody stepped over him every day when they went to the temple. Every time they went to the temple, they stepped over or passed this fella. Every time they went to the temple, he'd been there all his life. They'd come and brought him to the temple gate. Peter and John come up to him. And finally, they just got tired of stepping over him, I guess, because they come to him and they said, what's your deal, dude? My, my translation. And he said, Can, you got any money? And they said, I don't have no money. I don't have no silver or gold, but what I do have can set you free. And Peter reached out his hand and grabbed it and said, rise up and walk. That's all I can think of. That's what what took place in his muscles. And he jumped up on his feet. Everybody knew he was lame. Everybody was amazed. Peter and John said, cool, let's go. And they went on into the temple. Well, this guy had a hold of Peter's leg. (laughs) take me with you, take me with you. He's dancing around. He gets up and dances around and they go in and the people inside are amazed because they knew this guy was lame and that God did something. But the thing about it is, is the people started, began to try to worship Peter and John. And so Peter started preaching. He got his preaching on again. And, And it was in this message that Peter said something that I wanted to capture today and bring in here. Look at verse 18, Acts chapter 3, verse 18. I'm reading from the New King James today, going old school. 
Verse 18 says, but those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, this is, this is Peter preaching, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Verse 19, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. God, I know that when your word is spoken, when your word is publicized or when we hear it, that blessing comes, blessing that we cannot Blessing that we cannot make up. It's a blessing that you do on the inside of us and you shift things on the inside of us when when we hear those things. So God, thank you for the blessing of your word and we just will be careful to receive it. We'll be careful to honor it and figure out what we need to do with it in our lives. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So for the last two months, we've been... We've been preaching on on revival and what revival is and specifically personal revival. And and so it's it's kind of set us on a a um track. Um the so I, I want you to hear this because the one thing that we're not trying to do is cause revival. We're not we're not trying to say if we preach on it enough it'll break out in our midst. My deal is is that if we will pursue revival personally, it will break out in us, which then God can do whatever he wants to do corporately. But it's got to start here. It's got to start on the inside. It's got to start individually. It's got to start with the one. And so the the definition of revival that, that I've been using is that revival is a restoration of God's word that becomes an encounter with truth a restoration of God's word that becomes an encounter with truth. It's a restoration of truth. It's when truth becomes real. So what is truth? That's the big question. The big question that that people ask, the big question that some of our millennials are asking is what is truth? In in John chapter 1, It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then it goes on down in verse 14 and it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Do you know what that is? It's Jesus. Jesus is the word. Then right before Jesus went to the cross in John 14, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. So if Jesus is the word of God, And he is the truth and the truth is the word of God. And there's a restoration that happens when revival begins to happen in our lives. There's a restoration of that truth. It was like this morning, whenever I was remembering that scripture from Isaiah 59, 19, I hadn't thought about that in a long time. But the restoration of truth came while we was in worship. So we have to embrace those things because that's personal revival. This begins to happen. That's a revival. 
And revival is about encountering Jesus because he is the word of God and he is truth. It's encountering who he is. So this idea that we've had, and, and really that is not even a holy thing to say, is it, it was an idea that we've been preaching. It was, it was, a, um, it was a moment, the, the, a holy moment birthed an idea and something to preach or, or a, a line that we needed to get on as a, as a church. And we as the leaders and the, the communicators needed to bring this to you over the last couple of months. And that, that idea of personal revival was a holy moment. And I know that Lynette has, when she was up here a few weeks ago, um, gave her um, uh, perspective of what happened to cause her to really push into a holy moment uh, and, and to what we're talking about. But I want to tell you mine. Can I tell you my perspective? Because it happened to me. It didn't happen to her. No, she was there. If it happens to me, it happens to her. But one Sunday morning in early August, just right after we began to start meeting corporately again and made that decision, <clears throat> there was a young lady in church that morning that this is not her home church, but people that are related to her, this is their home church. And so... Um, We've known her for a long time, so I wasn't a stranger. But I had finished preaching that morning, and we went back into the back room. Everybody had kind of taken off and everything, and, and we, I went back into the back room just to sit down for a minute before we left. And she was back there with her aunt. And um, this, this young lady, um, said they, they said, she wants to pray for you. All right. You know, over the last five years, I've had a lot of people pray for me. I've had a lot of people come out of the woodwork, and, and, I, and, and I'm so grateful. I am so grateful. Not only people are praying privately, but when the people come and say, Pastor, God told me to, to pray for you, I'm like, cool. I'm, I'm game. Come on. You know, Jesus, the, the word says, Jesus said, he said that if, if two of you agree on earth as touching anything, my Father in heaven will do it for you. I like Give me more than two. I'll take more than two. I'll take all the agreement, the support, all the healing. All the, I'll take it all, you know. And people have come to me to, to pray for me because of the condition that's going on in my body at this moment and, and things. And I, I am so grateful for those things. So when she, this, this little girl, this little girl, young lady asked to, to pray for me, I'm like, come on, you bet. I'm not going to turn. No, you can't pray for me. <laughs> That's dumb. That's dumb going to seed right there. Sorry to say that. But, but um, anyways, I said, yeah, come on. And so she, <clears throat> as she, as she comes to, to talk to me, uh, to pray for me, she starts weeping kind of made me a little uncomfortable because when ladies cry around me, I'm like, Lynette, come here. <laughs> you talk to her. Um, she started, I mean, she started weeping, sobbing, tears. I'm, I'm talking tears and snot. And I mean, she is, 
she is sobbing. And through those sobs, she asked me a question. See, I just expected her to step up and go, you know, you know, Father God, to heal him, do this, you know, do that. Before she starts praying for me and she's crying, she says, what do you want me to pray for? What? You wanted to pray for me. <laughs> what's, what's your idea, you know? And, and she asked that question. When she asked that question, it stunned me because what I saw is that she did not have an agenda except obedience to God. God said, pray for him. And it stunned me. I mean, I'm, in, a, in a moment, I'm going through a Rolodex in my head. Do you all remember Rolodexes? That, that kind of ages you if you remember a Rolodex. But I've got all this stuff and there's some of it sarcastic. You know, what do you want? What do you think I want? I mean, can't you see what's going on? But, I, you know, some of it's that way. But this, in, in a moment, have, have y'all ever seen the Christmas story? You know, I watch Christmas story every year. I love that. Love that show. Little Ralphie wants a Red Ryder BB gun. And you know, little Ralphie, get, you know, nobody will listen to him. Everybody gives him excuses why he can't have a BB gun. So he thought, if, 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 I, get, if I just get to Santa Claus, he'll bring it. And so he, he waits in line. I'm going somewhere with this, so just hold on. <clears throat> he waits in line. He gets all the way up to Santa Claus, you know, and sets him, they set him on Santa Claus's lap, and he freezes. What do you want for Christmas, little boy? He's like, okay, what do you want for Christmas? You want a football? He goes, uh, all right, get him out of here. So they, they pick him up and put him on the slide to, to get him out of there. And in, in a split second, he stops sliding down. He holds himself up and he just blurts out all this stuff about the Red Rider BB gun that he wants. I mean, he says it so fast that you can't even hardly tell what he says. And Santa says, you shoot your eye out, kid. You know, and he's like, oh, man, lost this bout. But see, it was in that moment when she asked me what I wanted prayer for. <laughs> I froze for a second. You know, it was just a moment. And then I blurted out, I want personal revival. Where in the heck did that come from? I want personal revival. And when I said that, she began to pray through all the tears and the snot and, and, and she began to pray the most beautiful prayer. Now here comes the tears and the snot. <laughs> <clears throat> and it took every prayer that somebody, that the others had prayed for me, every prayer that people have prayed for me in private, or in public for me, took all of that and wrapped it up and gave it to me. I want personal revival. All because I want personal revival. And since then, there has been a purpose on the inside of me. I can't say that it's been a voluntary purpose. I can't say that it's been a great... Um, <laughs> Uh, smooth transition purpose. But the purpose has been to pursue revival in me. To pursue it. 
And you know what that's caused? When, when you choose to, to, for God to bring personal revival to you, what it does is it begins to magnify your humanity. The mess ups that I have seem to be magnified. Not because God is saying, see how dumb you are. But he's saying, here's where you need to be revived with the truth of the word. All of my shortcomings are magnified, not because he's trying to condemn me, not because he's trying to put me down, but he's trying to show me where I need revival, where I need to be revived. And what it's doing is, is that I'm just now realizing after almost 30 years of being saved, almost 30 years of following Jesus, I'm just now realizing that life is a series of revivals. Life is a series. I mean, even though, even, even when I didn't realize it, when I started pursuing personal revival for myself, all of a sudden the series of revivals began to happen. The need for a series of revivals began to happen because what it does, what it does is it puts us on even playing field then. Because just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I got my crap together. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I, I'm, I don't mess up and that I'm really holy. I'm really not. But the fact of the matter is, is when you start pursuing revival and God begins to point these things out and God begins to show you what you need to do, where you need a restoration of truth, where you need to encounter Jesus, where you need to allow the Holy Spirit into the room in your heart that you've closed off and shut the windows on and not let anybody in there. He's going, I want in there because I want to bring revival. I want to bring restoration. I want the word, the truth of the word to be real to you again. Is this saying anything to anyone? See, I heard this statement. It was a quote from a, minister that's already gone to be with Jesus, but the quote says, it is easier to receive the life of Jesus than it is to maintain it. It's easier to, to receive the life of Jesus than it is to maintain it. What does that mean? It, it means that it's, it's easier to say yes to following him for the very first time. I mean, talking grassroots, coming to Jesus for the first time. It's easier to say yes to him than it is to walk out the difficulties of maintaining the life of Jesus on the inside of us. Because we can get all amped up on the yes, but there's going to come a day that you need more. It's the endeavoring to journey with him that is difficult because when you say yes to him, that is the vibe the vive, that's not even a word. I just made that up. But V-I-V-E is the way I spelled it, the vive. Vitalization is bringing life. So it's the vive. Saying yes is the vive. 
but endeavoring to journey with him on the journey, we need the revives. We need to be revived and revived and revived. There's a, there's a scripture that Lynette reminded me of in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. I was talking to her about it yesterday, and she blurted this out, and I went, duh. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, it says, As you have received Christ Jesus, so walk in him. The way that you received him with the yes is how you walk in him. It's how you walk in him. It's a series of revivals of yes, yes, yes. Jesus just continues to encounter us and we say yes. So here in in Acts chapter 3, verse 19, Peter is preaching and he says this. Listen to this. He says, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. That is the vibe. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So that times of refreshing come, that may, may come from the presence of the Lord. See, it's that, that is the reviving. Because the, word, the, the words there, times of refreshing, times of refreshing means this, literally a recovery of breath. So that times of refreshing, so that a recovery of breath may come from the presence of the Lord. Where? In the presence of the Lord. It's as we get in the presence of the Lord that revival comes. It's in the presence of the Lord that we recover that breath. The word times there in, in the Greek is the Greek word kairos. Now, some of you all remember that word from the very beginning of 2020. The very beginning of 2020, Pastor Lynette preached a word on the difference between kairos and chronos in the Greek. The word times in the Greek. There's two words in the Greek that translates into our English word times, and it's kairos and chronos. Kairos means an appointed time. Chronos means a measure of time. That's where we get the word chronograph or clock. A chronograph, is, it keeps a measure of time, right? But kairos is the time that is appointed. There's a special time. It is a special time. So this word is kairos. When he says times of refreshing, there are appointed times of recovery. Appointed times of refreshing. I, <clears throat> I, I, lately I've been really watching a lot of MMA fighting. <laughs> because I belong to an MMA gym, I want to I make believe that I'm a fighter. <laughs> However, I like the no contact type of fighting. You know, that I get to make contact, but nobody can make contact with me. Because look at this. This is, I don't want to mess this up. But I I have not been into MMA as much until recently since I started going to the gym. And and, um, 
being around some of the fighters and things like that, I, I really think, man, these guys think different. Any, anyways, I've been watching a lot of MMA. As a matter of fact, I watched about four hours of it last night. I'm feeling pretty salty. <laughs> but I don't want to get hit, so I'm not going to pick a fight with anybody. But, but this is what I know. Every fight that happens, every challenge that happens in the octagon are five, there's, there's three to five, five minute rounds. And when the round is over, there is an appointed time for recovery that happens in between rounds. A one minute, get all you can get in recovery to go back out to the other round. And the one common thing that is said when those guys, when the, when the, when the round is over and they go to their corner and they get with their coaches, their coaches, the common thing that they say, first thing out of their mouth is breathe. Breathe. Because breathing in that moment does things to bring recovery to the expense that they just made in that round. Breathe. I looked this. I looked this up on. Found this on uh, Google. And this is this is what this says. Deep breathe. It's about deep breathing. This is what the results of deep breathing does. Deep breathing increase, increases the supply of oxygen to your brain, that stimulates the parasympath. I had this last night. The parasympathetic nervous system, which promotes a state of calmness. Breathing techniques help you feel connected to your body. It brings your awareness away from the worries in your head and quiets your mind. And so when those guys get done and they go to their corner for that one minute, it is a focused minute, an appointed time of recovery. When we get into the presence of the Lord, it is an appointed time of refreshing. It's that appointed time. It's a Kairos moment. It is when you get into the presence of the Lord, when we're, when we're here in corporately and we're singing and worshiping and we go into that place, that appointed time, it's an appointed time to take everything off the table and refresh who you are on the inside. That is where revival happens. Because revival is recovery. Revival is refreshing. Revival is about getting everything out of the way and focusing on Jesus to encounter him and his spirit. And you can do that by yourself. We should be doing that by ourselves. You know, it's, it's so cool two Father's Days ago, my, my kids bought me an Apple Watch. And the Apple Watch tells me every day to breathe. And you know when it tells me to breathe? It's when it detects I begin to walk in anxiety. It detects that through my heartbeat. Because it don't do it on a schedule. It does it when I need it. It doesn't when it detects that I need it. 
and it tells me to breathe. And sometimes I look at it and go, you stupid thing. Don't ding at me now. I'm, I'm in my own realm. I'm having fun in my anxiety. It not only tells me to breathe, it helps me breathe. Because when I say, okay, it says for one minute and it vibrates to tell me how long I'm supposed to breathe in and out. Everybody's going to run out and buy an Apple Watch. Right? It's, it's really cool because it brings me into an appointed time to recover and refresh and take the things off my mind that, need, that don't need to be there and gives me a position to be in the, in the position that I need to be. Amen? If I allow it. I love this from the... Um, it's from the New Testament in modern speech. This is the, new te- the translation called New Testament in modern speech. Acts 3.19 says, Repent, therefore, and reform your lives so that the record of your sins may be canceled and that there may come seasons of revival from the Lord. Seasons of revival. Times of revival. That's what personal revival is when you put it to work. Are you here? See, personal revival moments are refreshing and recovery. They're seasons of revival. Seasons of revival. What for? Well, Peter goes on and says, what for? Here's the what for. You ready for the what for? Acts chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, Peter's preaching, this is from New King James, it says, and that he may send, talking about the Lord, presence of the Lord, that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of, the re- uh, times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. He said that he may send Jesus Christ who has preached to you before whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things. We live in difficult times. I think that I'm living right now in the most difficult times in the world than I've ever seen in my life. I remember when they declared war in, in 1990 for Desert Storm. I remember that night. I remember the TV coming on and, them de- and the president declaring war and, and sending out Desert Storm. I remember that. And I thought that was difficult. I wasn't living for Jesus at that time. But I remember that time. But now, I mean... It seems to be even more difficult than that, you know, even more difficult than when we went through with 9-11. It seems to to be just rolling, more difficult and more difficult. But see, the key to living in difficult times, the key to living in difficult times, a lot of times we think, well, you know, being a Christian means that I'm not going to go through difficult times. There's some people that became a Christian because the preacher told them, if you give your life to Jesus, you won't have any difficult times. Mm 
He lied to you. That sucker lied. Because when you become a Christian, you open the door to an enemy that you didn't know you had. And then he starts throwing the smoking lights at you and the dancing chickens and the, and the, and the mirrors and, and all this stuff to try to d- deter you from, you say yes to Jesus, he wants to deter you from the journey with Jesus. So the key to living in difficult times is about endeavoring in difficult times. It's about pushing through and encountering Jesus with revival in our lives. Taking advantage of the times of restoration in order to take us into the times of refreshing. I'm sorry, I didn't... I didn't say that right. To take us into the times of restoration. It's the times of refreshing that take us through the times of the restoration of all things. Because see, the rest of the times of the restoration of all things is the end times. Because see, even, even when these times are going on, What the Bible says about the end times is that it's birth pains. Birth pains in order to birth a restoration of all things. Everything that God created in the Garden of Eden is going to come back to the Garden of Eden. You read the last three chapters of Revelation, the the first three chapters of Genesis and and the last three chapters of Revelation, and they coincide. When you shut the book, they lay on top of each other because we're coming back to the restoration of what God purposed in the beginning. But you have to go through difficult times to get there. And the only way you're going to make it through difficult times is by the times of restoration, the revival, those seasons of revival that we have to go through the junk that is going on in the world to shut our ears off to what the the news is saying and remember that Jesus is king. Amen. Amen. He said the times of restoration of all things. The times. So what is this times? The first one, the times of restoration or the times of refreshing is a kairos moment. The times of the restoration of all things is a chronos. It is a measured time. It is a time that is measured. The end times are measured times. They're not indefinite. They're measured. There's a start and there's a finish. And as we go through those things, we're starting and finishing. Because, you know, that MMA fighter, he enters into that one minute, but then he comes out of that one minute in order to face the difficulty that's in the ring. So that when the three five-minute rounds, Kronos is up, we come out the champion. Does that make sense? Yeah. I told you, man, my computer crashed at 1.30 in the afternoon, and this is what I got. <laughs> this is what I got. So the times of restoration of all things... <clears throat> very well could be where we're at right now with, with the end times. Yeah. 
could be very well. There's a lot of things that's got to happen before Jesus comes back. I mean, we, we may look at it and say, man, can it get any worse? Let me tell you something. This is just the beginnings of worse. And you say, yeah, Lynette says, yay. You know, you could be sitting there going, oh, man, why was I born at this time? You were born at this time because God believes in you. God appointed you. He didn't appoint the Apostle Paul for this time. He appointed the Apostle Paul back there to give us what we need to get through this time. He's appointed you. He has anointed you. He has positioned you for this time. To not sit around and worry your head, but to sit around and get his word in the refreshing and the recovery and the revival and change the world around you. If we are in the end times, and we very well could be, it's personal revival that will carry us into the grace to journey through this that we see. It gives us grace to carry through these times. And if you're worried about your children, I mean, such a beautiful baby here on the front row. If you're worried about these times and what they're going to face, it's where we mount up on wings as eagles and let God refresh us, recover us, revive us to place into them so that they know how to handle things because we have taught them how to handle things. Let me tell you something. These babies ain't living under a curse, especially with mom and daddy pursuing revival. This baby is is not living a curse. They're living the blessing that's going to change the world. That baby's going to change the world. Change the world. We're all highly aware of the condition of this world and we must choose to run to the place of encounter with the truth because personal revival is times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord, from the presence of the Lord. You may think that you're king or queen idiot at being in the presence of the Lord. But let me tell you something, purpose to get there and he'll show you how to do his presence. But you got to be, you, you can't just stand around and wait for him to get on you. You have to get into him. You have to prepare yourself and put yourself into a position of being in the presence of the Lord. And it's not some, hear me, it's, it's not some um, process that you've got to go through. You know, well, I've, I've got to, you know, have only one cup of coffee because if I have two cups of coffee, that may be a little bit too much. And uh, I won't be able to think right. I won't be able to pray with the these and the thous. And, and you know, I, I, I don't know where, you know, I didn't read my scripture this morning and I didn't read my devotional. Don't, don't, don't let yourself get caught up in performance. You can't perform your way into the presence of God. You just got to put yourself there and say, God, Holy Spirit, come. Amen. Amen. 
so here's, here's how I want to close up. Is corporate revivals, and, I, and I'm talking about revivals that happen around the world. I, I've experienced two major ones. I'm sure there's others out there, but I've experienced two major ones in my Christian walk. I, I didn't get to experience them live, but I knew about them. It was the revival that happened at Pensacola, Florida called the Brownsville Revival in the, in the 90s and um, also the Toronto Blessing up in uh, Toronto, Canada. And what I know is I, I knew people personally that traveled to those revivals in order to encounter what was going on in those revivals. People from around the world would come, would flock to those places for two or three years. Every day, they had services seven days a week sometimes. Most of the time, six days a week, I think it was, they had services. And people would line up for two miles to get into that revival. And sometimes they couldn't even get in there. But they would come from around the world to, do, to, to be there because they wanted to be where revival was happening. And so corporate revivals are cool. But we're living in a time that if you heard about a revival happening somewhere in the world, you can't get to it because we can't get out of our country. They won't let us go. And if there's something here within our country, they won't let them have a corporate revival because you can only have so many people in a building. <laughs> Amen. But it's, it's my, my, what I'm trying to say here is that instead of us trying to run and find a revival to get into, why not be the revival to get into? Be the revival. Be the revival that when you step into a place that revival's not happening, that people come to you and say, there is something different about you and I want to know what it is. Or you step into their world and say, man, God told me to say this to you. And they say, you just read my mail. It's not, it's not about us going to revival to experience. It's about being the revival and experiencing it. If we would run across the country, why can't we run into our closet? Because in the current climate, we can't do that, but we can run to his word. We can experience his, his spirit and we can encounter him and where we're at. Amen? End times? I don't know. But somebody's got to go through the end times. Why not us? Why not us? Why not us? What I see in the church today is the only people that are hoping for the end times are the ones that are hoping for the rapture. And they're wanting to escape. I hope the end times is here because God's going to jerk us out of here. There will come a day that he jerks us out of here, but I don't think it's going to be at the beginning of this stuff. I think we're all going to have to go through a little bit of stuff. So you mean you believe in post-trib or mid-trib rapture? 
I, I'm not going to get into that argument with you. You take your... I heard one preacher say, I got 1,100 volumes of, of um, books on eschatology, which is the end times. He says, none of them agree. <laughs> so I'm not going to try to agree with everybody and, and preach a doctrine of this or that. I'm just saying, if we've got to go through end times, why not us? Why not us be the revival in the end times? Because he promised that when we go through the end times, there's going to be a harvest. Let's get the harvest. Amen. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your spirit. Thank you for your holiness. Father, thank you for when we're asked the question, what do we want? That we have the wherewithal on the inside of us to say, I want personal revival. Father, I know that you've given me the leadership over this church, this congregation, whether they be in this building today or whether they be watching across the world. Father, I just pray that my prayer for myself would also be a prayer that reaches out to them and become their prayer. Father, I pray right now for those people who are going through a wilderness time through that wilderness time that they're going through, that they feel like they're lost in this wilderness. They feel like that they don't hear from you. They feel like that they're in a place where they're tired, they're anxious, and and it just seems like the world won't leave them alone. Father, I thank you that every person that you use to bring deliverance, every great man and woman of God in the Bible that you used had to go through a wilderness. And I pray that we would just stop focusing on the wilderness and start focusing on the revival that we need in the wilderness to get in with you so that we can bring deliverance to the people around us. Thank you, Father. Bring us through those wilderness times with revival. Father, I pray right now that if there's anybody under the sound of my voice has never said yes to you, they've never experienced the vibe They've never, they've never been in a place where they've had an encounter with Jesus who died on the cross for them. Father, I pray that they would say yes to him today, just like the disciples did. They didn't have to pray a prayer, a fancy prayer. They didn't have to walk an aisle. They didn't have to raise a hand. They simply said yes to follow you. I pray, Father, all over the place, that people are saying yes. Thank you, Father. For those that have taken a thousand steps away from you, they were walking with you at one point, but they've taken steps away from you. Father, in this moment, they just turn around. You're right there with them. That you are there to recover them. You're there to refresh them. You're there to bring them back into a place that when they said yes, Now they can walk in that same yes wherever they're at today. I thank you, Father, for all that you do. I thank you for healing this congregation. I thank you for healing our hearts. I thank you for healing our brains. I thank you for healing our bodies. I thank you, God, for encountering us in our biggest humanity. We praise you and we thank you for what you're going to do throughout the rest of this day. 
and carry us into tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I just want to tell you I count it an honor to get to be the leader of this place. Sometimes it's a heavy weight on my shoulders, but seeing your faces and being here in front of you makes that all go away. And I thank you for that. Love you guys.